Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elra. Hello, goal achievers. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, your friend, Hal Elrod. And today, we have a guest for you, Pat Hyben. I'm fired up. Pat's become a, a good friend of mine. We're actually in a mastermind group called Go Abundance, which uh, I probably mentioned that on the podcast when I came back from my first Go Abundance event. How it, it was just freaking amazing, like my favorite mastermind ever. Anyway, we'll talk more about that uh, with Pat, I'm sure, later. But if you don't know who Pat Hyben is, I actually met Pat. He brought me on his, uh, his podcast called Real Estate Rockstars. And actually, is that what it's called, Pat? Am I, I don't want to miss yeah, quote. <laughs> yeah, Pat Hyben interviews real estate rock stars. There you go. And uh, and so here's the deal about Pat. I mean, he is, when I first saw him in person, he was actually giving a talk called Multiple Streams of Income. And if you, you know, if you've listened to me, we, we did a podcast on multiple streams of income. I wrote an article on Entrepreneur about it. I, I really believe it's so important that uh, in today's economy, right, or tomorrow's economy or yesterday's economy, just in general, it's it's so important to have at least two at least two streams of income so that all your eggs aren't in one basket. You know, and you see so many people that they've got this great job, they got the four hundred one k plan, everything's great, and then all of a sudden the economy shifts or their industry shifts, and now they're laid off, and now they they have no money, and they're burning through their retirement. Right. So I, I'm such a believer that to give your family and yourself financial security, it's so important to have multiple streams of income. And I believe when I saw Pat give this talk, he blew my mind, by the way. I was like, he, you know, dwarfed every, the way that I thought about multiple streams of income. I think he has like, you know, I don't even know. Pat, how many streams of income do you have? I'll just ask you before I even introduce you. Uh, today I have 47. 47. Folks, I, I'm, I'm saying just get two, at least two, right? <laughs> so Pat's got 47 and they're, and they're broad. He's, you know, he's a partial owner in companies. He owns like, I don't even know, four apartment complexes. He owns, I'll, I'll probably misquote numbers here, but you'll get the picture. I mean, he's got, you know, dozens of single family homes. He's, you know, I mean, on and on and on. He's a venture capitalist. Just so many things that he does. Now, I'll tell you, though, this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And obviously, we're going to hear Pat, hear his story, and hear his greatest advice that he can give you that has allowed him to, all right, listen up. Here's some of what Pat has accomplished. Pat's a real estate uh, agent. He's a top producing real estate agent. He's the owner of Pat Hyben Group. But I want to give you, when I heard this, I was blown away. He started in real estate, right? His first year when he started selling real estate, he sold, you ready for this? 10 homes the first year. He made $13,700 in commission, right? If you were his sales manager, you're probably like, ah, I hope this guy just goes away, <laughs> you know, right? He wasn't exactly blowing the doors off of, uh, of, of the place. However, here's the deal. He figured it out. He committed. He learned the business and the sky was the limit from there. He, uh, he switched over to Remax in year five of his career. And in 2004, Pat became the number one Remax agent in the world in 2004. Now, if that weren't as impressive enough, in 2005, he left Remax to open the Pat Hyben Real Estate Group, which was an independent company until 2006 when he joined Keller Williams. And in that same year, you ready? Two years after being the number one Remax agent in the world in 2004, two years later in 2006, 
Pat earned the award for the number one real estate agent in the world for Keller Williams. So the top two real estate companies in the world, he has been the number one agent in both of those companies. So when I heard that, I was like, dude, done. This guy's the, you know, Pat's the man. So uh, that's it. I mean, I could go on and on. Pat's a family man. All of those things are obviously important, but uh, I'd love to just dive in and, and uh, introduce you guys to Pat. Pat, you on the line, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. Excited to be here, Hal. Yeah. Ditto, man. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, you know, I have people on my podcast that I admire, that I, that I like, you know, that I, that are my friends. And, uh, it always takes like 15 to 20 minutes after we get on Skype to actually start the podcast. We always end up just you know, shoot, <laughs> yeah. shooting the bowl and giving each other advice and so updates. much to talk about. I know. Yeah. 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 So, um, but all right. So here's where I just, I want to start in, you know, not, not necessarily the beginning, but, uh, I always like to start Pat with, you know, the idea that every person on the planet is born with unlimited potential. All right. But somewhere along the way, most people resign themselves to settling for a life of mediocrity. And, some folks at some point on their journey have this realization or this distinction. Maybe it's a series of them where they go, you know what? I don't have to be mediocre. I don't have to be average. I don't have to settle for what my peers settle for. I can be extraordinary. I can be successful. What was your life like before you had that defining moment? And what was that defining moment for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I know exactly the answer because for me, it was a it was it was like a bolt of lightning and and like everything looked different uh, afterwards and it, it wasn't until i was 20 years old i look back on my first two decades of life and and i would describe myself in two two words uh two adjectives one was insecure and one was uncoordinated and and i'll <laughs> give you you know i'll give you an example like um you know i went out for the jv lacrosse team uh, at my high school and I was put on the third string okay no one got cut right it was politically correct there was no cuts so I got put on the third string and then my sophomore year I went back to play lacrosse and I got fourth string mm. so I like went backwards <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So not not exactly the this, world beater that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't the jock. You know what I mean. I just wasn't. I liked to exercise and I liked the practice of it, and that's why I stuck with it because they worked me out good. I they didn't know it at the time that that's what I liked, but I liked how I felt after I worked out. But I might as well had been doing it, you know, singular running or something like that. But but anyways, that and 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 I was never really like a ladies' man, like. I was always insecure, like I would always have those negative self-talk that we all do. Well, she's too pretty for me or, or that she's out of my league or whatever, mm -hmm. no matter what. So, so um, that, that, that was me up until about 20. And then what happened was between my junior and senior year of college, I lived at a beach, Ocean City, Maryland, uh, which is a resort town in, in Maryland. And um, I got a job as a, a at a deli slicing slicing meats at a deli I made four dollars and 25 cents an hour and the reason I remember that is because my check my gross check for 40 hours a week slicing meats was hundred and sixty bucks um, you take out taxes ended up being <laughs> like 120 115 bucks a week right yeah and so that was what I had resolved to be my job and up until then I had been a a dishwasher at about four or five different restaurants. I had been a um, bus boy 
never really was a waiter because uh, again, I was insecure. I thought that, uh, you know, talking to people and doing that was something I couldn't handle. Um, so to make a long story short, you know, I was doing this and a friend of mine said to me, Hey, you ought to try this other thing, which is working for this timeshare company Nice. where his job was to walk up and down a busy boardwalk where people would walk during the day and walk at night. There was, there was an arcade and there was a Ferris wheel and just, you know, everybody that's on vacation is walking there and, and checking out other people, people watching and buying cotton candy and French fries and stuff. And he said, you walk up and down and you give them a free coupon to go to a tour of this timeshare. And if they do this tour, they get a free $50 dinner, uh, steak dinner at a steak restaurant. And um, he said, you should try this. And I said, uh, what does it pay? And he said, it doesn't pay anything, but if somebody goes hmm. to this tour, you get 20 bucks. Nice. So there was about 50 or so kids, they were all college kids, that were out and about on this boardwalk handing out these free coupons for dinner. And um, I gave it a shot. And I remember, I'll never forget, the guy told me, Pat, you need to do three things. You need, number one, don't wear a hat. Number two, don't wear sunglasses. And number three, when you look at somebody, look diagonally to the eye which would be your left, like, like, like my right eye looks in your left eye or my left eye looks in your right eye. But r really it was the, you know, look to the left, look in their left eye, the eye to the left is what okay. he said. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I can do that, right? I can do those three things. So I went and I did it. And I'll never forget that the next day they used to post the numbers on the wall. <clears throat> and my number was 101. And they would say, you know, 101 got this many people to go. Number 52 got this many people to go. And there was this kid named Danny. They used to call him the All-American Boy. <clears throat> and he won. He was a winner every day. Everybody expected him to win. Now, if you got the most of the day, you got an extra $50 bonus. And this is significant. So whoever of all the kids got the most of the day got a $50 bonus. So <clears throat> I never, I went to work the second day. They had the postings on the wall. They had, um, you, you know, everybody's numbers up. Danny's number was like 52 and he got two people in. And then at the very top of the list, it said 101, five people. So I convinced five people to go. Okay. And I never forget, he was in the front and I was in the back of this crowd of boys. And he turns around to his buddies and he goes, who the F is 101? Hmm. And I remember sitting there like, yeah, Mug, that's me. I was like, yeah, I'm 101. Nice. So I, I got 120 bucks or, or 100 bucks, right? Five times 20 plus $50 bonus. So I made 150 bucks, boom, right there on the spot. And I was only making like 120. So, you know, at, at all week long. Yeah. So in one day, one day, I made what I made in a week. And I never went back to the deli. I didn't even give my two weeks. I didn't even show up again. I just stopped going. And I started going back out on the boardwalk, handing out these cards. And at that, at that point, I had a realization that I had a skill. That 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 I actually, because I didn't have a skill in the cross, I didn't have a skill in the ladies. I didn't really. I got a, a two six GPA. You know, I didn't have a lot of skills that I said that's my brilliance. That's what I'm good at. Matter of fact, I didn't have any. Hmm. And this was the first thing in my life where I actually said, "Man." I'm good at this. I can look these people in the eye and convince them to go take a 
a tour or, or get a free dinner. There must be something here, you know, and from that day forward, I never, ever took a salary job or a trading time for money job again. That was it. That's, an, you know, I'm almost 50 now and that was 30 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I, I love it. And again, that's the defining moment. And what I love is it seems like there's, there's a, for a lot of us, it's that similar, like I was a, I was a mess up. I was a screw up. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't born where, man, I just, everything I touched turned to gold. You know, like you said, uh, I didn't get great grades. Wasn't that great with the ladies. Of course, all that's changed, but uh, no, <laughs> um, your, your wife uh, is beautiful. So, uh, Fantastic. So, and then you're, and then you went in, well, let's, we'll get to that in a second. Um, obviously I want, you know, I want to know how do you go from, from media, mediocrity to being the number one real estate in the world, agent in the world, two different times in two different companies. I want to know that in a second, but let's, let's save that for when we kind of talk about your best tips and strategies and, and how you implemented those, you know, to get where you got. Um, how about some failure? What, you know, I think so many people avoid failure, like the plague, they're afraid of it. They, they have it in a negative light as failure's bad, and I really think failure's good, right? You learn from it, you grow from it. Uh, often you fail at one thing and it, it leads you down a path to something bigger and better. So while your success is impressive, talk about your most notable failure and how you overcame it and what you learned or gained uh, as a result of that experience. Well, I think my biggest failure probably came after my biggest success, you know what I mean? I mean, I, like I had a bunch of little failures, obviously, through the time, but when you're when you're playing small, your, your failures are generally small. When you're playing big, your failures tend to be big. So, so uh, right around uh, 2006, we killed it. You know, there were several um, years in a row. There were three years in a row where our, our gross commissions as a real estate team were over $5 million. Wow. Um, and, and so, you know, we were just, we were just printing money. I mean, it was just <laughs> fun. Everything you, everything you touched turned to gold in that time. I had a title company. I had a mortgage company. You know, I was involved in all kinds of different things. And no matter what we did, we made money on it. And so, um, of course, it all changed. You know, 2008, it came, it came, it, it slammed us down like a sumo wrestler. And um, I, you know, I had, I had to lay off like fire, like sit down and say, I'm sorry, but you know, you're, you're laid off 22 people in one year. Wow. My real estate team. And then I had about, you know, 12 other agents, um, that were, you know, real estate agents on my team, either defect and go to a competitor or just get out of the business. Um, and just be like, I want to sell cars instead or go back to school or whatever. So, so in that year it was like we dropped in, in like a 12 month period, like 34 and we were at like 50, 50 some people. And then, then the next year the title company closed. And then the next year after that, the mortgage company closed and they weren't, they weren't, um, by design. They were by like, uh, you know, the, the wholesaler would called us up and wanted us to put up a million dollars cash in order to ensure that uh, some of these loans we did weren't going to go bad and that sort of thing. And we were just like, you know what, screw it. Let's, let's take our money off the table. And, and, and with that, and that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was that even after we laid off all these people and cut all these costs that we were in control of, we found there were still some things out there that um, we were liable for, and I was personally liable for. I mean, the name of the company was Pat Iben Real Estate <laughs> You can't really hide from that one. Yeah. So uh, we had a lease that I had an additional about two and a half years on um, 
that uh, was $22,000 a month and uh, you know, we probably used about $4,000 or $5,000 of space out of that. And we, we ended up subleasing to other like small little companies. Um, and, um, but they only covered about a third of the rent. Like, like if a room cost me two grand a month, I charged them 700. I mean, mm-hmm. the market just tanked as far as commercial rent. And, uh, so anyway, so we lost money every month for a couple of years and same thing happened. We had a, a, a we had this printer that we bought. We were printing out five, 600, uh, postcards and mailers a day. And we went to zero cause we, we laid off the whole marketing department and we had a printer that cost five grand a month that we were leasing that had like another 24 months on it. So I had to pay, you know, I just shoved it in the corner and paid, you know, five grand a month. And then I had a whole company um, that I owned 33% of, a different real estate company outside of my team that I owned 33% of, that the same thing happened. We had to consolidate that, and we rented that space to a doctor's office, and the doctor ended up paying about 50% of our rent. I think our rent was um, 18000 a month, and uh, this doctor is only paying nine. Hmm. And to this day... He's still only paying nine. I think I have six months left on that, but I've been losing money on that sucker since 2010, I think. So yes. anyway, so there, those are some failures where that I learned basically to, yeah, yeah, go big, but try to limit your personal liabilities as much as possible. Got it. I mean, and that's one thing that I think there's a big picture lesson there. Is, I mean, there's a few of them, but one of them is that you know what that you've had a lot of challenges and i think that we often look at people that are very successful and think man from the outside they're living the dream you know 47 streams of income number one in the world like life they've just got the greatest life and often you find that the most successful people in the world have the biggest you know challenges that they have to deal with right yeah absolutely right notorious big said mo money mo problems that was, back when I was in high <laughs> exactly school. um so so let's let's dive into some some real value here for uh for our listeners in terms of your goal achieving expertise what are your three and i know these are great because we've talked about them beforehand and i'm aware what you're going to share and i'm excited for this uh and how you applied it to become number one in the world not once but twice but what are your three greatest uh, goal achieving tips or strategies to help our listeners achieve their goals? Yeah, this, this is great. I love this question. And actually I was lucky enough to learn this early on. I took a, a course called sweat hogs with Floyd Wickman. And I read a couple of books, uh, that, that emphasize this. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners have already read the same books, but, but basically, um, you know, the three, if I had to pick three things, they would be, um, it would probably I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll put a spin on it, but um, it would be set goals and affirm the goals, right? And some of these are outlined in my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures. Some of these are my book uh, steps. But set goals and affirm the goals, and that just means, you know, figure out what it is you want. You know, I mean, what it is you want – let's say you want $15,000 a month. Um, figure out what it is and then uh, set a smaller goal like um, – how you're going to get that goal. I'm going to hand out 40 business cards a day, or I'm going to call a certain amount of people a day or whatever. And then uh, um, make it an affirmation. I call 40 people a day, or I hand out 50 business cards a day and make the bigger affirmation too is, you know, I, I receive 15,000 a month, 
but big and small goals and the affirmation. Then mm. the, does that make sense? Yeah. So set, set goals big, then break them down and make sure that they're, you've got the smaller goals in front of you, right? Yep. That are more attainable, that are shorter term, easier to stay focused and committed to. Uh, and then, and I think such an important point, which obviously Miracle Morning, one of the practices is affirmations. And I'm a big, big, big believer. All of my goals are in my affirmations every day. In fact, I don't read my goals in like their own goal sheet. I read my goals embedded in my affirmations that mm. reinforce why they're important, when right. the timelines are, what specific actions I have to take, right? So the, aff the firm affirming of the goals is arguably the most important part of once they've been set. Yeah, because most people set goals, right? And then they don't think about them until they go to another seminar that says uh, set goals. And they're like, oh, yeah, I think I remember setting some like six months ago or yeah, yeah. whatever. Well, that's so it. Our, our mutual friend, uh, David Osborne, was on the podcast a couple months ago and you know, his number one tip was to review your goals daily. I mean, that's it, right? Keep them top of mind. Yeah. Keep 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 them uh, emotionally engaged with your goals. And all right, so I love it. So set set the goals, break them down into smaller goals, and then affirm them daily. All right, what else? Yeah, yeah. And the second the second thing I would say is track. Mm. You know, um, um, how? Let me ask you this: Why is Weight Watchers effective? Why does Weight Watchers work? I'm guessing it has to do with tracking. <laughs> Yeah. Well, obviously you haven't been on Weight Watchers, but <laughs> Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers, basically they make you go there and weigh in. Yeah. And that's number one. But number two, they make you write down everything you eat. So if you eat a peanut M&M or you eat five raisins, you got to write it down. Got it. So, so what happens to the person that's on Weight Watchers for, let's say, five months and they've lost 30 pounds, right? And everyone's like, you look awesome. And they've been tracking like a, a fiend, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden on month six, they stop writing it down. They stop tracking. They stop stepping on the scale. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, the, 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 their, their diet will go back to the way that it used to be, right? There's no self-accountability and, and the pounds come back. So is it that simple that if you track, you succeed? If you don't track, you fail? I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of correlation for sure. Yeah. So I believe that. So that would be my second thing there. So and give me some examples uh, beyond the Weight Watcher. In fact, I'll share one, and then I'd love for you to share uh, an example of, of what sure. you track, either what you track now or what you tracked on your journey to number one. Um, for me, that was actually a really big breakthrough when I was in, in sales with Cutco. Uh, it was one night I was trying to fall asleep and I couldn't fall asleep because I had the worst day where, you know, I went like, oh, for four on appointments. Nobody bought. And then I went home all like, all right, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to make 40 phone calls. I'm going to, you know, I was today was a horrible day, but I'm going to make up for it tomorrow. And then out of those 40 phone calls, I set zero appointments and like two ladies were rude to me and hung up on me. Right. And I was just like depressed and going, I need a new job. And that's when I had the realization that right now I'm emotionally attached to my day to day results. But over the long run, as long as I commit to the effort, my results will take care of themselves, right? And yeah. I defined, I, I pulled out a calculator. I thought, well, how many calls on average do I have to make to make a sale and to sell, hit, hit a certain number? And I figured it all out. And I went, well, if I make 20 calls a day, five days a week, over the course of the next 52 weeks, I will sell X amount of dollars, you know, pretty much a given. And then that was this epiphany where I went, so I don't need to be emotionally attached to my results. I just need to be committed to my process. And every day... 
to your point of tracking, every more I, in my schedule, I would put, you know, at 8 a.m., 20 calls, 20 calls, 20 calls. It was scheduled every day. And then every day, an alarm would go off at 7.55, right, to go sit down at my desk. And then I, every time I made a call, I, I, I tallied it. And once I set an appointment, I tallied it. So I had calls, contacts, and set, and I tracked all of it. So I just wanted to share that because, what, you know, what the point you're making, uh, it was crucial. And that was the year that I, you know, I had my best year ever. And the way I was able to double that, my best year ever, is I decided to double that effort and double that tracking. And yeah, so so I'd love to hear what are some examples of, of what you track or have tracked that's been really effective for you? Yeah, so um, let's say as a real estate agent, we used to track everything. I mean, we yeah. would track, you know, number of um, – uh, appointment set, number of appointments closed, number of listings sold, number of, you know, commercials made or uh, money spent on marketing, everything. I mean, we should be tracking fiends and, and we still do in the real estate company, which I sold to my partner, uh, Mike Sloan. Uh, we track, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, um, you know, whether it's working, what's working, what's not. I, I mean, a great example of tracking is a, is a profit loss, right? I mean, how many people don't look at a profit loss or have no idea, you know, how much money they're making from uh, book sales and how much money they're making from speaking and how much money they're making from coaching? Um, you know, that, that would be like you, right? Sure, sure, So, sure. So, so um, you know, a profit loss, a simple profit loss is going to show you what's working, what's not, um, and, and that sort of thing. And I know you do track because we had that conversation before we started as, you know, I asked you because I'm always curious – where are you making the most money? And yeah. so, um, but yeah, so that's huge. I mean that you, you, you got to track and the more, uh, checks and balances you have in place, the, the, the more successful you'll be and the more you'll know right away if you're off your goal or, or headed towards your goal. And, and it takes, you know, it's, it's, it's like so many things it, 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 to be successful where most of them are pretty easy to do. They're just easier not to do, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, he, I like that. I like them. Yeah, I didn't make it up, but I'll I'll take it. Um I'll take credit. <laughs> uh so yeah, so they're easier easy to do, but they're easier not to do. And and you think about that human human nature is to simply do the it's the path of least resistance. It's to do whatever is easiest, right? And if you just decide that I'm going, you know, my my mantra from my mentor Brad Britton, you know, that I learned when I was again, luckily when I was 19, so I got this in my head early is he he would always say, "Do what's right, not what's easy." If you can adopt that as your guiding principle, he said, you can do anything. You can achieve anything because every day, every moment, every time you go to the restaurant, it's like, well, there's a bunch of stuff on the menu that would be easy to eat because it tastes real good, right? And then there's things that would be the right thing to eat because they add fuel to my body. They, they make me healthy. I have more energy, et cetera, right? You know, every choice that we make, there's the right choice typically and the easy choice. And um, what was I going to – oh, I wanted to say one other thing. I want to reinforce your point, and that is – when I was training for my ultra marathon, I bought a book called The Non-Runner's Marathon Trainer. And for anybody mm. listening, if you want to run a marathon and you're like me where you weren't a runner, you hated running, uh, this helps with the psychology of like, if you're not a runner, here's how you wrap your mind around that you're about to run a marathon. And then here's how you train for it. And it gives you the whole training plan. But the point is, um, every in the book, it's a big book you can you know you there's these tracking sheets every week where on monday it tells you how many miles you're supposed to run it has you know let's say one or two or three and then underneath that it has your actual and then and then at the week end of the week there's your total and here's the point of this i want i just want to share this because 
for people to understand the power of tracking, when you track in this way, for example, where I know I'm supposed to run two miles today, if I run two miles, I get to write a two in that box, and that's positive reinforcement. I feel good. I feel a sense of self-worth and a sense of self-pride and a sense of accomplishment, and the more times that happens, you're literally programming your brain to you know, you're, you're, you're paving a pathway through your brain to associate pleasure with following through. And then on the other side of that coin, if you, if, you know, if a day went by and I procrastinated and I didn't run or I made an excuse or I overslept or whatever. And then at the next day, when I went to go check into my, you know, my tracker, I saw that yesterday was a, I had to write a big fat zero and that didn't feel good. So this is part of the power of tracking your efforts and your results is that when you follow through and do what you're supposed to do, you reinforce at a deep subconscious emotional level doing the right thing. And when you don't follow through and you have to put a zero or, or a number that is lower than whatever you're supposed to be at, or if you're eating calories and tracking higher, right? Too right. many calories, right? Then now you're, re, you're literally programming your brain to do what's right, not what's easy. So I want to share that because that for the marathon aspect, that was really effective. And it wasn't for that tracking. I would have never trained for nor completed that marathon. I love it. I love it. All right, what's, uh, do you have a third tip for us, or are we going to keep I, it a tip? I, I do, yeah. Third, the right. third tip is finding uh, mentors and masterminds. Mm, uh, I love it. Okay. Um, which are kind of the same thing, but a little different. Um, so, you know, over my life, I can count about 100 mentors. I think that uh, most people, when they count, they think of mentors, they think of like one person, one guy that looks like freaking Rip Van Winkle that sits on the top of a hill <laughs> under a tree, right? And you, and you go to him and... And uh, ask him anything from marriage advice to financial advice to, to whatever advice, and and he has the answer. And in reality, that's not it. You know, the the reality of it is just kind of, uh, we all have brilliances, um, and you know, and they're usually one or two or three, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. one. It was you know, it was like my brilliance. You know, obviously wasn't coordination or grades you know what i mean but i was good at uh talking crap to people and getting them you know convincing yeah yeah so so it's persuading people sure yeah so it's the same thing it's so it's like um you there's mentors that can help you get better sales there's mentors that can help you uh save money there's mentors that can help you be a better father and and a different mentor to help you be a bit better husband so so i've had over a hundred mentors yeah and um, along with that, um, I've built masterminds uh, where, uh, you know, I'll get together with people like you and, uh, um, you know, talk. You know, what are you doing to make money? What are you doing to stay healthy? What are you doing to have a 10 on a 10, a 10 out of 10 uh, when it comes to a relationship with your wife and, yeah. and find best practices and, um and, and keep those best practices. So just kind of be a seeker of best practices from other people that are successful. You know, that, that I think that that is, in fact, I, I tend to say this a lot. It, it's that your, your, this, how do I say it? The circle of influence, right? Our circle of influence is arguably the single most important determining factor in our success. And it's the most under, utilized factor in terms of people hear it like oh yeah you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with but then they keep spending the most the same amount of time with the same people that may or may not be getting them where they want to go 
Yeah. You, you know, know how um, the person that actually brought the word mastermind to the forefront was Napoleon Hill. Yeah. You know, who wrote Think and Grow Rich. And he, he wrote a one or two whole chapters on what is a mastermind. And I remember I heard an interview, an old interview with him when uh, this lady asked him, she said, Napoleon, she said, if you took your whole book and everything you have in that book that, that's, that, that's, that's great for people and you boiled it down to one thing um, as to why people are successful and why people fail, as a matter of fact, how about we just say why people fail? Why yeah. do human beings fail? And Napoleon said, I won't give you one, but I'll give you two. And he said, here's the two. The reason that most human beings fail is, number one, they give up too early. Hmm. Right? Before they strike gold, they give up. Okay. Right? Like, that, that's it. Simple as that. And he said, number two, they, he says their inability to find the appropriate mastermind and embrace the mastermind concept, hmm. you know, which, which is all you know, about getting the right mentors and getting the right people around you. Um, to, to, to talk about uh, creative and, and successful best practices. And he said, that's it. Those two things, you know, you eliminate those two things and you'll succeed. That's great. My, my mantra with my son is never give up. Like whenever he, we're, you know, we just got a ping pong table yesterday and, and he's three years old. He could barely see over it. And I'm trying to teach him how to serve over the net. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he hits like one out of, five or 10 over the net, but every time he hits it and he goes, Oh man, I go, Houston, never give up. And he goes, never give up, never give up. Like that's, he just, he just starts chanting it. Right. So, um, no, yeah. So, so you're right. So, so find mentors and masterminds. And let me ask you a question. Like for you, uh, how do you define a mentor? Meaning here's what I mean by that is like, for me, I look at every book I've read that author is a mentor to me, even though they don't know who the hell I am. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so would you, what do you, uh, you know, what are, how mentors is it, is it, how, how do you, what are name off mentors? Is it peers? Is it superiors? It's, it's, is it books? Both. Is it it's all both. of it? It's yeah. both. Yeah. It's people, everybody I meet, I'm very curious about and and they're, a mentor to me in some way, you know, I'm like, what, where does this person's genius and where can I, you know, what can I get from it? What can I learn from it? And I'm just a very curious person. Uh, and I think everyone should be curious. And, and, and so it could be, it could be a guy sitting next to me on a plane. Um, I learned something from him as to, you know, if he says, oh yeah, I did this with my kids the other day or our, you know, we went on vacation here. To me, that's a, a, a mentor. He's giving me advice on a great place to go as a family on vacation. You know, yeah. every every per, p potential person. And then the best ones are the, you know, are the ones. And today with, with the way audio is and how everything is for free, um, you know, you can have mentors like Hal Elrod and, sure. and, and Anthony Robbins and whoever. Everybody's got a podcast or got... If you go to SoundCloud and type their name in, you can hear them yeah. and, and just, you know, let them be your mentor as if they're, you know, as, as, as if they are. You know, funny, I got a review on my um, audio book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, and the guy, uh, the guy said, I feel like, you know, Pat's sitting in the car with me. You know, huh, yeah. and, and, and I think you gotta, you gotta do that for everything you listen to. You gotta feel like Tony Robbins is sitting in the car with you. 
And that and that's exact. I mean, we are exactly right. It's 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 like with especially podcasts. It's free. You can get a podcast from almost anybody, and you can listen to the most brilliant minds in the world, right? But uh, and it's free. It doesn't cost. And and there. I mean, what's the difference? You think about it. Like if you were to sit down with any of these people and you were to say, "Hey, like all the questions that I'm asking Pat and that I ask my guests, right?" If you were to ask them the questions, they'd tell you the same thing. So it's no different. I mean, it's literally no different, obviously, other than you can't say, hey, I've got a cat named Sally, and Sally really, you know, you can't ask specific questions when you're listening to a one-way audio. But uh, I'd say it's, you know, it's, it's 90% as effective as if you were in the room with them asking them for their best advice. Mm-hmm. So, 100%. Uh, I agree. Now, um, I want to. you mentioned masterminds, too, and I, I want you to talk about GoBundance here in a minute. But before you do, what, give me what I call your writer downer, which is, what is the best piece of advice? Uh, could be a quote, a mantra, or a guiding principle that has significantly helped you to achieve your goals that you can share with the, uh, the goal achievers listening now. You, you know, my favorite quote from any book in the world, and my favorite book in the world is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, um, uh, which I've probably read over 100 times. And, um, you know, the, the best quote, in my opinion, from that is, you, you cannot dream within and stand still without. Mm. And, and, and so I'm a big dreamer, and I believe that, you know, repetitive dreaming, although may un- be annoying, um, is helpful. And that if you, if you have a dream to do something, and you're thinking about it, and you're journaling about it, and you're talking about it, and, and you keep doing that, it is going to happen. You know, you hear about all these kids that, you know, uh, Derek Jeter, who, you know, basically said, I'm a New York Yankee when he was like five years old and he never let up and wow. he never let up and he never let up. And he, you know what I mean? Like he and, and there's tons of stories like that. Right. And, and so um, if you do that, you will affirm and you will create that uh, manifest. You'll manifest it. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you keep journaling about it and keep thinking about it and keep dreaming about how you can do it better. Yeah, I mean, what you focus on expands, right? Exactly. What you focus on expands. So, um, so masterminding is such a big thing. I actually, I had a, uh, I ran a group. I have my VIP coaching group. I ran them uh, the call for them last night, and uh, one of the questions from one of our members was, you know, talk about masterminds. How do you connect with these high level people, and how do you, how would you start a mastermind or join a mastermind or whatever? Um, the uh, you you are a co-founder of GoBundance, which is, you know, I mean, I I. I hesitate. There's a lot of good ones out there, but I'd, I'd hesitate or wouldn't hesitate to say this is one of the best, if not the best mastermind I've ever been a part of. And um, I've just, re- in fact, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. I don't get a commission uh, if people join your mastermind, but I think I've got five of my friends coming with me to the Tahoe event already. <laughs> I mean, and I'm still recruiting. I'm like, I just, I just, I'm like, you can't miss this. Trust me. Just trust me. You'll, you'll, it'll be blow you away. So I know you're limited on how many people can come to the, uh, you know, to come to the meetings that you keep them kind of tight knit, but, uh, talk about go abundance real quick and what it is and where people can get more info. So, okay. So first of all, you get more info on gobundance.com and, and, and that's G O and then abundance, like abundance, but you take off the a and you put a G. So it's gobundance.com. And there's a bunch of videos on there and it kind of explains what we are. And if you're interested, you fill out a form and, um, that form will get to us and, and uh, we'll call you for an interview. But, um, but essentially what it is is, it, it, you know, I uh, started my own mastermind with David Osborne, who you mentioned, and Tim Rode, um, you know, 
10, 12 years ago where the three of us would get together and s simply compare notes. You know, how much money are we making? How much money are we investing? How much do we weigh? What is our blood pressure? What, you know, how is our marriage going? You know, basically tracking, uh, but tracking on a, on a, a much more balanced level of many different things rather than, you know, just tracking one thing. And we started doing this and then we kind of got to the point where we got tired of hearing each other's stories. Like Tim would tell me a story. I'm like, Tim, you, you've told me that like seven times, dude. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, so we decided to start inviting other people and we invited some other people and then they started inviting people. And next thing you know, we had this big mastermind and of, you know, one day, one time at David's house, we had like 15 people stay there for four days. People were on the floor and everything. And, and then we were like, at that point, we we're like, you know what, let's start charging money and making this real. And, and we wrote down and we spent a lot of time with all our technology, all the, um, all, all the forms that we use. We have a form called a one sheet. We have all kinds of tracking sheets. So we have you know, probably 40 different sheets that we have that we use to track. And, um, and now we have 110 members and, um, you know, we have several trips every year that we go on and, and, um, you know, not everybody comes, but uh, you know, enough come to have a great mastermind. And then once a year we have our main event, which is in Lake Tahoe. And last year, as you know, um, uh, Robert Kiyosaki came and was actually part of the mastermind. He hung out with us. We had, you know, wine with Rob or something at, at, at you know, after dinner one day. And, and, uh, he just hung out for several hours and just drank wine and, and, and talked to us and masterminded with us. And we're doing the same thing, uh, this year in Taha with Robert Herchevec from Shark Tank, uh, to give you a visualization. He's the guy, how that, that, is on the far right. If you're looking at, the <laughs> right? he's got he's got some hair left, and uh, he's a Canadian guy that's a very very rich and uh, high tech guy. But he also loves doing stuff like racing Formula One cars and climbing mountains. And so he's a he's a guy's guy. And, and by the way, Gabundance is uh, um, you know it's a men's fraternity, and we want it that way because it's. Uh, you know, people are sharing intimate things about their relationships and they're sharing and they're kind of, you know, we don't, there's no dress code. We're kind of just like scratching, you know, whatever on our bodies. And, and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> we, we wouldn't want any ladies to see the, yeah, the real yeah, us, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're just, we're just being very uh, authentic and we're staying up late. We like in, like in, um, in Tahoe, we'll ski all day and snowmobile all day. Yeah. And about four o'clock, we start masterminding, and we mastermind until midnight. But it's it's so good masterminding. It's like, man, this is gonna make me a lot of money, or man, this is gonna change my life. That you are wide awake, dude. You're you know? you're talking to the guy that doesn't stay up past nine thirty p.m. That <laughs> I, I was happily up till ten or till midnight every night. Yeah, it was. You got me out of my comfort zone, but. 
um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing, you guys. I encourage you, go to, so G-O-B-U-N-D-A-N-C-E, gobundance.com, check it out, uh, apply. I, I can't speak highly uh, enough of it. Um, and, uh, and I could, by the way, <laughs> don't even get me started. I could, you know, I could go off, like I could go off right now, but we need to wrap up the podcast, but I could go off for five minutes at least on like what makes it so unique from the fact that you, you know, you measure our body fat percentage when we get there, we do push-up contests and how many push-ups we can do. And I mean, like it pushes you. Well, in fact, this is the last thing that I'll share, which are, there are five pillars of GoBundance and this is what made it so unique. Every mastermind that I'm in is, a um it's a just like a business only mastermind usually it's very focused on like your business your marketing now this focuses on that but there's five pillars age defying health extreme accountability financial freedom bucket list adventures and genuine contribution so everything in the mastermind is focused not just on your business but on really this whole life kind of uh success and fulfillment and uh yeah man I, i can't wait for tahoe it cannot come soon enough awesome dude cool well Well, this has been a blast Hal. Dude, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your wisdom of how you got to number one in the world, not just once, but twice, and uh, how you continue to keep uh, crushing it and leading the way and, and helping others. Everybody that tuned in, Goal Achievers, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, I will catch you next week when we have another exciting, informative, and added value episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. We'll talk to you then. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So now we want to know what your big takeaways were with this interview with Pat. Simply head on over to halelrod.com slash 100 for episode number 100 and leave a comment on the show notes page there letting us know what your big takeaways were and what action you're going to take this week to help reach that next level in your life and help you achieve your goals. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellelrod.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, please leave a rating and review because rating and reviews truly are the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because they help more people find out about the podcast and decide if this is the one for them. So until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com. 
where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.